Get ready to explore faith, doubt, and all that's in between. Welcome to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond. Hi there, everybody. I am Charlotte Pence Bond, and welcome to Doubting It on the Edify Podcast Network. I'm here today with Eric Metaxas. It's really fun to have Eric on the show. Um, we've known each other for um, a little while, and um, it's just great to have him with me today. He's a writer, commentator. He's a host of the Eric Metaxas Show, of course. He's written children's books. He's written adult books. He's written about faith and our country. So if you want to find out more about Eric um, and see his most recent projects, go to his website, Eric Metaxas at um, ericmetaxas.com, just his name.com. Uh, we talk about doubt. Uh, we talk about finding Christ and Eric kind of shares his testimony, um, but also says that, you know, there are things that we can be sure of in our walk with Christ. And I think that's a really important point. It's a really good thing to remember. So I'm just excited to have him on today. Our conversation goes into some mature topics um, as we talk about faith and where our journeys take us. So I just want to let you know if you've little ones around, uh, just be aware. But thank you so much for joining us in this uplifting conversation today. Well, Eric Metaxas is joining us today. Thank you so much, Eric, for being um, on the show on Doubting It with me. And this is kind of fun for me to do and also for both of us to do really because I've been on your show before talking about different things, talking about a bunny book <laughs> that I did with my mom. Right. So it's fun to kind of uh, flip the table a little bit, but thank you so much for joining me uh, today. Uh, well, listen, it's actually fun for me to talk about this kind of stuff. It's it's more fun for me to be interviewed than to interview someone in a way. So thank you for, for letting me do something easier than what I normally do. This is fun for me. Yeah, well, I'm excited. So I, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself a little bit for those of you who um, are listening who don't necessarily know Eric. Can you tell us what you do in your day-to-day -day and then also just what your faith journey is, something that maybe you don't talk about on a day-to-day -day basis as much? Yeah, well, basically what I do now, uh, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm most known for my biographies. I wrote a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, incredibly important, amazing human being who stood up to the Nazis because he was a Christian, which blew my mind when I first heard this uh, when I was 25. I was not really a Christian and I heard about him. I never thought I'd write a book about him, but I'm, I guess I'm most known for that and for, for other books. I wrote a book about America called If You Can Keep It uh, and sort of the link between faith and freedom, which I also didn't know until recently or didn't understand. Uh, I wrote a book about miracles. I've written a lot of children's books and I've written a lot of humor. Uh, when I was at Yale, I was the editor of the humor magazine. So I've written humor over the years and my latest humor books are these about a goofy character named Donald the Caveman. That's him behind me. It's totally insane. It's meant to be funny, right? So I'm all over the map, but I guess my faith journey is that, you know, I grew up in a wonderful home. My parents are European immigrants. My dad came from Greece. My mom came from Germany. They met in an English class right here in New York City, not far from where I am right now. And so I was raised in kind of a strange home, right? A Greek immigrant, a German immigrant. And we went to the Greek church, of course. And I, I think a lot of people go to certain churches and you're sort of there, but you're not really clear on, on what it's about. And I think that for Greeks, at least, it's a cultural experience mostly. 
and they rarely went into what the Bible teaches or anything. It, it just wasn't like the thing. So by the time I graduated, you know, high school or whatever, I was pretty lost. Like I, I didn't know what I believed. And when you end up going to a place like Yale University, you know, it's kind of like the American dream to go to a place like that. But it's a very secular environment. And it was very clear to me that kind of my working class basic values were not mirrored at, at Yale, that the cultural elites had kind of a secular view, politically very liberal and stuff. And so I kind of went with that kind of went with that flow basically because what did I know and you know had a good time there was an English major wanted to be a writer by the time I graduated I realized like I don't know how do you become a writer how does this work and I really struggled I mean I struggled horribly I, I I went through I've always struggled with with depression it's been a real issue in my life and um by the time I was like 24 because I graduated when I was 20 I was I had skipped a grade and so a few years of floundering around, I ended up moving back in with my parents in Danbury, Connecticut. And I, you know, like my parents' friends were like, oh, Eric's just finding himself. He's going to be a writer. But my parents were like, Eric, you need to find yourself a job. Like we worked menial jobs to put you through Yale University. What are you doing? Like what's going on? So it was a really horrible time. And I ended up trying to continue to write, but I got a, a really menial job at a company called Union Carbide in Danbury, Connecticut total nightmare. But while I was there, I started talking to this guy who he definitely had faith. He was a born again believer, but he was very, you know, he wasn't very forceful, but, but he would kind of just talk to me. And I was trained in a way to avoid people like that. Like at a place like Yale, like a lot of colleges, you're kind of like, you know, I don't want, I don't want any of that weird, weird faith stuff, but I was in enough pain where I would sort of continue to have these conversations. And this went on for like a year. And I still wasn't really buying it. I, I, I guess I was looking for a sign or a miracle or something like that. And I was not getting that. And I just didn't know what I believed. And I was pretty sure you couldn't know whether God exists or you couldn't know that stuff. So people who claim to know were just nuts. They're deluded. And so one night, uh, right around my 25th birthday, I had a dream where I'm not going to go into it now, but if people go to my website, ericmetaxas.com, there's a video there. It's an I am second video. You can go to I am second also, but where I tell the story of the dream and the bottom line is in the dream, Jesus revealed himself to me completely blew my mind. I mean, all I can say is it was mind blowing and a miracle. And I had no doubt I woke up. It's like, whoa, like game over. I, I, you know, I, I understand. I get it. It took me a while to, you know, like I knew that now I believe Jesus is real and the Bible is true and all this stuff. And it, it was so dramatic that there was just no going back for me. And so I've always had questions, but the reality of it, it's kind of like meeting somebody and people say, did you meet that person? You'd be like, yes. And they said, well, what about this? What about this? You'd be like, well, I don't know about that. And I don't know about that, but I, I know they're real, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt with God or Jesus. Like I knew it was real. I knew the Bible is God's word. Like I knew the basics, but I think the doubt comes in where you have all these questions. But for me, it's very different than saying, I don't know if God is real. That's where I was before. Mm -hmm. Now I know God is real. The Bible is real. We'll always have questions, but we don't have questions about the basics. At least I don't have questions about the basics. And that really is something that I didn't think was possible before. But now I 
you know, I know it is. So it's, I'm in a very different place. That's awesome. That's a great story. I, I feel like I kind of relate to it actually, because when I, I kind of had, I didn't have a dream, but it was kind of a similar experience where I, I had kind of, you know, been raised in a Christian home. And I talk about this before on the show a little bit, talk about my faith journey, but later on, like after late college, I had a similar thing where it was just this experience where after that, I couldn't really go back to thinking like it might not be real. I mean, what the way, the way I put it, because I've seen people who, you know, claim to be Christians and are very, very serious. And then at some point they kind of like either just sort of fall away. And I think, how can that happen? Like, I don't even get that. I think my theory is that they've had an intellectual conversion, but they have not met the person of God. In other words, I think that when you have a relationship with a person, it just changes everything. Whether you're angry at that person, happy at that person, whatever the point is, it's a real relationship. Mm-hmm. And you kind of can't bat that away. But mm-hmm. if it's just a set of intellectual beliefs, you can change your intellectual beliefs. And so I think that that ultimately, I always pray that people will have an experience with God. And that's why I, you know, I wrote a book about miracles and stuff. I think it's important mm-hmm. for us to see, you know, that he is real, that he is alive, that it's not just something I bought into and who knows. Yeah. So how does that, I guess my question, next question is kind of how does that go into your day to day when you do have questions, um, like you're saying you do, and we all do have specific questions about maybe things that are happening in your life or when, when you do go through trials, how do you think those miracles and those encounters I don't know. How do they affect you? How do they like make it your faith stronger? Well, I guess, you know, I, I pray for miracles and stuff like that all the time, but it, I get it rarely. I have gotten it enough that I can't deny that it's very real. Like it's mm-hmm. real. God is real, but everybody's different. Some people kind of walk more easily in the spiritual and they hear from God palpably. For me, it's been more of a struggle, but I've had these actual experiences where, you know, it's like God's proved himself to me through those experiences. So I can't go back and say, who knows if he's real? Like there's no doubt because that initial dream was the first one, but then I've had a number of them where he's, he just made himself real to me. I probably should think of some examples, but what I was going to say was that you kind of are living off of those in the sense that you say like, look, no matter what's going on in my life right now, God is real. God loves me. And the Bible is true. And the, and Jesus commands me in the Bible to be anxious for nothing. So I'm anxious all the time. And when I get anxious, I just have to remind myself like, Eric, Hey, God loves you. He's telling you, don't sweat it. Bring your problems to him in prayer and no, don't hope. No, that he hears your prayer, that he has your back, that he loves you, and that he knows things that you can never know. So right Mm -hmm. now, things look terrible, but you don't understand. He loves you, and he's with you, and he's walking with you. And I think we need to know that. Like, I think a lot of times it's really fashionable to say, oh, I have doubts, or it's fashionable to say, like, what kind of hope that's true? There are certain things that if if you just hope they're true, you're a fool. Like, if you hope that one plus one equals two, you're a fool. Like, you need to know that it equals to. And I think you also need to know that Jesus is real, that he really did die for you. Now there are days you don't feel like it, but I mean, speaking, for example, as a married man, now I know you're a married young woman, but like I say over and over that my marriage is as real on the worst day of my marriage as on the best day of my marriage. 
So if my wife and I get in a horrible argument and we're really angry at each other, our marriage is as real and solid in that moment as during the most wonderful moment in our marriage. And that's the way it is with God. Your relationship is real and you need to put out of your mind the idea that, well, today I don't feel it or today I don't, because there are days you're not going to feel it. Some of the heroes of the faith really did, didn't get that feeling very much at all. Mother Teresa, one of the greatest heroes of the faith, herself wrote about not feeling God's presence and that kind of thing. So I think we have to be careful about linking our emotions to the reality of God. Emotions are not bad, but they can be. And we have to be careful. Emotions uh, are not the same as as knowing. You know, I really think that God wants us to know he loves us so that when things get tough, we don't say, well, maybe he doesn't love me today because I did this or because of it. No, we need to kind of know. So there's certain things we need to know, I think. And then when you have questions, it's a different kind of question. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always use this example. I've, I've written about this where, where you say, like, I know that when I get in my car and I, you know, turn the ignition, whatever, it's going to go and it's going to take me to work or it's going to do what it needs to do. Like, I know that. OK. And then people say, but do you know how the carburetor works? Can you can you explain that? Can you explain, you know, the universal joint and, and how that works? Can you, do you do you know that stuff? And I'd be like, no, I don't. Well, then how do you know? Like, why would you get in the car and trust it? And you realize that you're always going to not know stuff, but you know what you need to know. I know that I get in the car, it works, and it takes me there. Now, I could spend the rest of my life learning about cars and about details and stuff like that, but that's not the point. I know what I need to know, and it's the same with God. Like, what I need to know, I can know. When people ask me really hard questions, or what about this in the Bible, or what about that, I'll have questions until the day that I meet God face to face, but I can't let that interfere with the fact that I know what I need to know. Like, I don't have any doubt that he died for me and that the Bible is true and that he literally rose from the dead. Like, I don't have any doubts about that. And again, I think it's sort of fashionable to say, well, I don't know. And I don't know. There's certain things like you actually can know and God wants you to know, but he wants you to know it for you, not for him. Like he wants you to know it because he wants you to be at peace in the basics so that when stuff comes at you, you don't get rattled to the bottom of your being, you know, that you, you have the ballast of, of real faith, you know, of a relationship with him in the, in the middle of it. I think that's really true. And I think, I mean, what was kind of the instigator of this podcast was me kind of noticing a trend in, you know, millennials and people my age that there was less, you know, not maybe less religious belief, but less uh, admitting of religious belief. And I kept kind of thinking, I feel like it's, it's gotta be because, partially because you feel like you have to be either devout and be sure about everything or you're an atheist. And I think, I think you're right. I think it is fashionable to talk about doubt, but it's also kind of fashionable to not talk about it, you know, and to act like, Oh, I'm completely sure. I've always been sure, which is true for some people for sure. And I know a lot of people like that, but I think what you're saying is so true that you still have, questions that doesn't mean that the big question and the big meaning is is what you're going to go against absolutely and and the point is that you know somebody like me now i'm like a public figure Mm -hmm. of faith in a way and that doesn't mean that i'm not going to make mistakes that i'm not going to make stupid mistakes that i'm not going to make you know you're you're still Mm -hmm. a human being and you have to just say lord i know i'm a sinner and that apart from you like i'm going to screw up and i'm going to whatever and 
please help me to navigate my life so that I don't bring shame to your name or, you know, anything like that. I actually want to say this too, Charlotte, because I think it's important. The coolest thing to me about the faith is that only God knows who we really are and what he made us for. And so if you lean into him, he wants to take you on an adventure that you cannot really dream of, like an amazing, beautiful adventure uh, that is his plan for your life. And anything else is like living in half measures. And I think that to be afraid to, you know, sort of fall back into his arms and let him lead you or, or to let him lead you in, in any way. You know, I know that if I'm obedient to God, which is to say that I do what I know is right and don't do what I know is wrong, he can steer me and I can trust that he wants to steer me along a beautiful path, a meaningful path where I'm not just spinning my wheels and wondering what's the meaning of life and stuff like that, that, that God has that for everybody. Because I really do think that sometimes we forget, it's easy when you're young too, but you know, that you're not just here. You're, God wants you here and he put you here, but he has a purpose for everybody, for mm -hmm. everybody. And he wants us to fulfill that. But again, not for him. It's almost like being a car without gas in the tank, you know, like you're, you're a car, but what's the point? God mm -hmm. is the gas in the tank in the sense that to, to really live the way you're supposed to live, you can't live without him. I would argue that at this point, that you can't know, you can't know the meaning of life. You can't know the meaning of your life. You can't know which way to go. Life at some point, the older you get, gets more and more difficult and you need God. And so he wants us to join him on this amazing adventure. It's different for everybody. I mean, you know, if you look at somebody and you go like, well, I don't want that life. Well, God might say like, I don't want you to have that life either. I've got a completely different thing for you. Uh, I love you. It's not a cookie cutter thing. Like everybody's got to become a missionary or everybody's got to become a public figure or everybody's got to be a, a jerk like Eric Metaxas, you know, like it's kind of funny. Like we do that. We think, well, I don't want to be that. God mm -hmm. has a plan for you right. and loves you and wants to walk with you and knows, knows you. And I, I think that that's the most beautiful thing to me about it is that he walks with us individually and he has a plan and an adventure, but he won't force it on us. He mm -hmm. wants us to, to trust him and say, okay, Lord, you lead me. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. I wanted to ask you too about, you mentioned, you know, you're kind of this, this face of faith and this, you know, commentator on so many things, political, but also cultural. Um, did you, th did you think you would be doing this um, when you were younger, when you were wanting to be a writer? And I guess, how does that raise questions for you or how has it been a place to kind of ask questions? Well, I guess until I became a believer, like around my 25th birthday, it was, shortly after that, I did have a sense 
that's what I wanted to do, that I, that I wanted to be a voice for God, a voice in the culture, because I, I guess because I felt that the culture in which I grew up, there was no God. Like, you know, I would turn on the TV or whether in school or in college or whatever, I wasn't living in a world where God was real, like where people mm-hmm. talked about God and people. And once I discovered Jesus and all of these amazing authors and these amazing thinkers and human beings and heroes and stuff, and I thought, how is it possible that I have missed all this stuff. Like, I feel like I've been robbed. Like suddenly I'm seeing the world in a, in, in color. And I was looking at it in black and white. And I, I, I really feel that I want, I wanted God to use me to help other people find those things, you know, not that they be mm-hmm. locked into the secular world, but to say like, you have no idea what amazing things Christians have done and how beautiful the world is as a result of Christians. You hear all the negative stuff. And because you've got a media that is really secular and some of that is intentional and some of that's just who they are. But you need to understand you're, you're kind of not getting the whole story mm-hmm. and including from conservative media. I mean, they're not talking about God stuff or whatever. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, God is everywhere and he has used people. And, and you know, slavery was abolished because of devout Christians. The civil rights movement was because of devout Christians, I never knew that. And mm. I, I think to myself, all these good things were done because of Christians and Bonhoeffer stood up to Hitler because mm. of faith in Jesus. And I I realized, I think, after I had become a believer that I want, I knew I wanted to be a writer, but also that I wanted to be somehow a, a cultural commentator. Um, and I, but I, so I really did know that. And I felt it was God's calling on my life. But, you know, whenever God calls you, he equips you. And so it's been a really slow and long road for me way slower than I would have liked. And, um, but you know, you, again, you just put yourself in God's, you just put yourself in God's hands and you just trust that he is, he's with you wherever you are and at whatever point you're, you're at. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, How do you think when people are kind of maybe at that new stage of being a Christian, they're trying to figure out what is God's plan for my life? I feel like we talk about this a lot, and I feel like at times in my life, it has been clear to me what I was supposed to do, especially just from praying about it a lot and really feeling, you know, led in a certain way or led away from something. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, how, what would you say to people that are kind of wondering that or wondering what is God's will for my life? What does he want me to do with it? Well, first of all, I would want to say again, that God is a personal God. So everybody's different. Some people may know, boom, I know I'm supposed to do this. And other people, they don't know. And I think you have to be okay also with not knowing. And you have to say, you know what, but God knows. And so I'm just going to do this and I'll do it unto him. And I'll say, Lord, if, if I'm wrong, steer me differently, but walk with a joy. Because I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I don't want to miss God. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to get it right. That's not God. God is not about like, oh, you got it wrong. Oh, you didn't pray and you did the wrong thing. I mean, he wants us to hear from him more than we want to hear from him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think having a peace about that, that even if you're not sure, it's okay. I mean, I had huge ups and downs and huge trials and stuff. And you can't, you can't let that like get to you. You just have to trust God is with me no matter what. And if I just keep praying and saying, lead me, he will lead you one way or the other. And he, it's different with different people. I mean, in my case, there have been a couple of times where God has actually spoken to me like in a vision. It's very rare, mm-hmm. but it has happened. 
but I know other people that has never happened to. And, and so I think that we have to be like open to whatever God has for us specifically and not say like, if he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. You know, it's, uh, sometimes I think, you know, God sprinkles breadcrumbs too of circumstances that he kind of leads us in that kind of a way. But I don't think that everybody has to know like what they're supposed to do because you, you I don't think you can. I think sometimes you have to just make choices based on what you think is best and give it to God. I mean, you know, officially in prayer, say, Lord, this is what I think I should do. I'm going to do this, but I give it to you. And if you want to steer me differently, I ask you please to steer me differently. Shut that door. Mm -hmm. If you want to shut that door, open another door. I think if our hearts are like that, God really does lead us. And we have to get out of that idea that like, oh, I could miss God. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. That's the voice of the devil. Like God is Mm -hmm. not about like, oh, you made a mistake. You didn't, you didn't, you know, didn't do what I tell you. You didn't do it. I mean, it's really, if your heart wants to do what God has for you, he will, he will lead you, you know, and if you make a real mistake, you know, you repent and you understand God wants to forgive you. I mean, you have to really repent, you know, and, and I think it's kind of funny thing too, because obedience, you know, like sexually and all that kind of stuff, people don't realize like that is real freedom. And that's the way that you can feel God steer you. If you, if you kind of like keep certain part of your life for yourself, you know, it, you're, you're, you're making it hard for God in a sense. It's kind of like he said, Look, this is the, like, this is the owner's manual and, and y- you know, you have to take this seriously. And that's how I know you take me seriously. And I think that uh, millennials, especially they don't hear that very much, but like, that's incredibly important, uh, especially, you know, if you think about who, who does God want me to marry? Does he want me to get married or whatever? You know, I think that yeah. a lot of times people waste time in relationships. And mm-hmm. I think that it has to be about saying, Lord, if you have somebody you want me to marry, show me that person. I don't just want to have relationships. I want to have one relationship, Uh, you know, and I'm speaking as somebody who, you know, was in a very serious relationship before I became a Christian. I look back on it. I just, I want to weep for many reasons. And I, I think that um, that's an important part of it, especially if you're young is, is to understand Mm -hmm. like if God has someone for you, you don't want to waste time with anyone else, you know, and Mm -hmm. you want to be careful. You want to be really careful about giving your heart to anybody or spending too much time with somebody. I mean, if you're not sure, get out of it and mm-hmm. pray and say, Lord, I want you to lead me to who you have for me. Um, because I've just seen so many people suffer and I hate, mm-hmm. I don't want to see people, I don't want to see people suffer. The Lord doesn't want to see people suffer. Yes, that's so true. And that's such a good point that goes along with the questioning and doubt. I do see that a lot of times um, in people my age and myself um, in the past, for sure, kind of. I, I think it goes along with your what you said earlier. I really liked that you can be sure about some things. So if you're yeah. not sure about something, you're not sure about someone. Yeah, that's probably something in itself. Um, my last like little question I kind of wanted to ask you about is right now in this moment, pandemic moment, election moment. What? How has God shown Himself to you? What are some questions you've asked Him that you do feel you've been, you know, you've gotten an answer on? Well, that's um, that's kind of a tough one, Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know. This is such a bizarre time. I'll tell you this much. Yeah. If I did not know God, this whole thing would be really freaking me out because yeah. like, my entire life I've never seen anything like this. You know, this is like end time lunacy. Like what is happening? Mm-hmm. If you really look at Jesus and you trust him, you just know he people have gone through 
infinitely worse things than what we're going through right now. And we need to just be obedient in the moment, know that he's real. He didn't disappear for six months. Like he is utterly real. And I think that this, the, the, this pandemic has clarified things for a lot of people. It's made people see how government can be bad, how government, how you elect, who you elect as your mayor or your governor may have no wisdom uh, and may, you know, kind of use their power in a way that uh, is, is making things worse or is getting people more uptight or whatever mm-hmm. for no real reason and stuff. And so it's been a clarifying moment uh, for me and for a lot of people. And it's, it's been such a radical change that I think it's been, it's forced me to, um, you know, to have a kind of a different, have a different life. I'm not traveling like I used to and stuff. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a whole, a whole bunch of things. So I don't really have a, a good answer mm-hmm. for that, but, uh, I know the Lord is real. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for this country and, you know, his, his love for us, you know, doesn't change, uh, because we're suddenly like going through a weird, a weird period. And it is a weird period. I would say the political division mm-hmm. is horrifying. It's horrifying. And it, I think it takes courage, you know, people, uh, especially somebody like you, right. You know, the daughter of a, of a prominent figure in this administration, uh, and anybody who uh, has affiliated with themselves with this administration is being really attacked or whatever. And I think like, we, we really, we have to love our enemies. We have to do our best, repent when we screw up. And we just have to have the courage. I, you know, again, I wrote about Bonhoeffer. I mean, these people occur huge courage to do the right thing and to stand up against, you know, false stuff, whether it's a Marxist uh, message, you know, of, of BLM or Antifa or, or something like that. You have to say like, wait a minute, w- what is happening here? And it does, it, that takes courage. And so I think, the biggest advice I would give to people is hang out with people who have courage, who have their heads on straight, who are walking, you know, in obedience to God and are emotionally healthy and stuff. It's important to have those people around you. Otherwise you think you're nuts and, you know, God doesn't want us to go around thinking we're nuts, but he, you know, he does want us to be surrounded by people who are mentally and emotionally solid and healthy and spiritually healthy. Yeah, I think that's so true. I I think, you know, it's it's a hard question for me to even think of what my answer would be because I feel like we're still in it so much. We're still in the yeah. trial time. I told my friend the other day, you know, I feel like, you know, when people say, oh, you go through a trial and God's really refining you. And on the other end, you can really see, you know, the edges he smoothed out and the things that you, you know, became better at or you trusted him more. Yeah. And I was like, I think yeah. I'm in the refining process now that yeah. just feels like I'm being like, constantly, you know, shoved and like sawed on and like, <laughs> I always joke around people say it was an amazing learning experience. And I'm like, yeah, I hate learning. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, you give, you give that to God too. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. Just trust him with it. You trust him with the process. You trust him with the timing. You know, we're fools not to, it's our instinct is not to, but we have to understand that, you know, what's right is right. What's true is true. It doesn't change. And, but we do have to remind ourselves and we have to remind each other over and over and over again and encourage each other because it is tough. Yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope that this was this was encouraging to me. I hope it was encouraging to listeners and to you. And just having these conversations, I think, is something that, like you said, it's just putting the message out there that yes, we have questions. It's okay to have questions, but it's also, you know, um, God wants us to 
wants to have a relationship with us. And God doesn't want to condemn us if we have questions, but he loves us so much that he wants us to know that we can know him personally. We can have that peace. It's not just for other people. We can know enough that we walk in faith. Like he, he wants that for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if if you don't feel that you shouldn't feel guilty, you should just know though, that Mm -hmm. you can know it. I mean, I've written a number of books in my miracles book and other books, uh, everything always wants to know about God, but we're afraid to ask where, you know, when I do the research go like, there's incredible evidence for God and the God of the Bible and stuff that I never, never seen before. So even if you have those kinds of questions, I would say like there are really good answers and I had no clue about that. So I just want to say that as an encouragement to people with questions. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, um, it's the seek and you will find, you know, verse that um, there are answers and there's, there's things that we can know for sure. So um, it's a beautiful thing really. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being on the show today. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Thank Thank you so much, Eric, for joining me for that amazing conversation. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in and joining us on the show. I feel like I learned so much and also just feel encouraged by everything that Eric had to say. And I hope you did too. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting exploration of all the different complicated and really beautiful parts of our journeys of faith. Thanks for listening to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of faith, doubt, and all that's in between. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, download the Edify Podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.